what does it take to build a home? What does it take to build a home away from home? And what does it take to build a home away from home you cherish so much you would cry if you ever had to give it up? Bienvenue, mon ami. I am Nick. I'm your resident interior designer, a serial expert living currently in my sixth country, and your humble host on this podcast that is all about creating homes that celebrate la joie de vivre. That means celebrating your joy of and your joy for life so that you'll have a place you truly feel you belong to. And this is season three. And this time around, I will be exploring everything concerning the topic of change because we are post-COVID-19. And it's safe to say, life has changed for all of us. And the question is, how have you lived through this massive phase of change? Let's talk about how we can make change work for us. I'll be examining it from all different angles because it's quite complex, n'est-ce pas? And as every season, I'll be inviting some kick-ass guests from all walks of life with all sorts of professional expertise and personal wisdom to tickle the best out of this topic. And today's episode, I am talking to Pippa Parfait from Pippa Parfait Coaching. And here's the thing you need to know about why I have her on my podcast. I found her about two years ago whilst doing a hashtag research because I want to be the person you come to when you think about how do I create belonging? What are the elements? And Pippa, her Instagram account was the home of belonging. And I was just like, oh, damn it. Somebody's already doing it. So I had to keep my eagle eyes on the competition, right? And yeah, as so often, when you start getting to know people, when you start following them, you either really like them or you really dislike them. And in my case, obviously, I really, really liked Pippa. And why that is, Pippa has gone through a huge change in these last 18 months. Because Pippa's business, guess what? It's all about becoming disobedient. <laughs> And isn't that a gutsy thing to do? Change for disobedience. So yeah, I definitely had to talk to her about this. And boy, does she share some true nuggets of wisdom. Enjoy. Welcome to the Home Worth Having podcast. I am here today with Pippa Parfait. And it's been quite a journey. We had some calendar mishaps happening. And we had to reschedule several times, which is why I'm so happy that we're finally here. We're finally doing this. And we've been doing this for a while, Pippa. Isn't that correct? Like we met the first time over a year ago. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. I do. I totally do. And I do remember us having a conversation about podcasts at the time. And the fact that we've now, I think it's absolutely the way it should be that we've now come to the point where we're having this podcast today. Something happened that meant that this was the right time to do it. And just to give the listeners some context, and maybe you don't know that or you don't remember that, but the way that I found Pippa in the very first place was that I was getting ready to record season two of the podcast over a year ago. And my podcast is in the larger scale all about belonging. And so I was looking up hashtag belonging, and that's how I found Pippa on Instagram. Because Pippa, back in the day, had her account under House of Belonging. And I was just like, oh, that is such a good name. 
And I was like, I'm going to stalk her. I'm going to follow her. And I was very skeptical. Oh, those people. When You know, when you find people that are already doing what you want to do and you're like, oh God, am I too late for the game? So I followed you. And after a while, I contacted you if you would be willing to talk about belonging on the podcast. And we got together for our first talk and it was June of 2020. And I will get back to that first recording in a second. <laughs> but back in the day, coming back to House of Belonging, you had your Pinterest, no, I'm sorry, your Instagram account. And I looked at your website and it was this high production website. Let's call it, call it like that. So wow. you, were a, you were a life coach. You had this gorgeous, pretty website, everything staged I, I still remember I mean I'm an interior designer I still remember you leaning over the kitchen counter in what seemed to be your kitchen I'm not sure if it's your if it's your kitchen but it's just like ha right so I saw you you had this neat bob haircut hair blown out beautifully and if I would give it a name I would say you were really appropriate you were really norm conform and you had everything one would expect from the classic life coach. And on your website, you use words like unpretzel yourself and live a courageous rebel life, unpack learned behavior and societal expectations in order to live your authentic life. And I think I speak for many when I say that we understand those words you know, unpretzel yourself. Okay, that's a little bit uncommon, but we know that the pretzel is a nod. So get out of that messy, twisted kind of being that we sometimes find ourselves, rebel life, yeah. But somehow that wasn't, I mean, it was all there. It was all gorgeous. But for me, at least it was like, okay, yeah, I get what she's doing. And now fast forward a year later, your brand looks completely different. Now mm -hmm. you use the word built a disobedient business, which I have to say is a very sexy description. It turns yes. me on. <laughs> Hell yeah. You're very niche down and you stand out with everything. Your personal looks changed, your website changed. Wow, it's different of night and day. You definitely have this touch of naughty going on. And I mean, there is photos of you out there showing the middle finger, right? Which somebody like, sure oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, wow. And this season is all about belonging and the changes that we have to make. We're going to talk with you about this massive change from being appropriate and this gorgeous production of of you to having a completely different appearance right now, seeing that you let a lot of stuff go. And I'm not saying that it's less well produced. It's just a lot more of, I don't give a fuck if this is what people expect. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So all I want to say is this change that you have been through is like this massive bam. And I just wanted to ask you, how come, like, what happened in this year? Can you walk us a little bit through that? I'd love to. And wow, is there something to unpack in that, in that lot? Okay, um, let me go back a bit. So 
Firstly, I didn't know that you found me through a hashtag. So yay for that. Hashtags do work, folks. <laughs> Apparently, who knew? And the, the home of belonging was an evolution of, of everything, like anything in business, or certainly my experience anyway, in businesses, that everything is an evolution. And the interesting thing about creating a business in your 40s and then heading into your 50s, so I'm 48 currently, is that I think you're in inevitably in a huge, somewhere between evolutionary and uh, giving less fucks every day. Now, I'm not a massive proponent of give no fucks because I, I don't think that's real. I think we give lots of you know fucks about a lot of things in life and as we should, but you become, as the day, literally as the days go by, you give yourself almost seemingly naturally give yourself more permission to step into the that sort of place that you always were because the shackles of society mean less the expectations about family or gender conforming or any of these kind of things gradually seem to mean less than they might have done 20 years previously so that's that's kind of setting the scene of me because that's that is my reality I am a 48 year old human being who's you know been doing this humaning stuff for 48 years and I think I'm, I'm so chuffed that you said you thought the website was very put together because that's entirely me. And you're right. I think the home of belonging, it's really interesting because that is absolutely still the core of my work. As far as I'm concerned, this, the definition, I think it's Brene, um, Brene Brown's definition of belonging around, um, you know, belonging isn't fitting in. It's about standing out and being who you are, etc. And I'm paraphrasing her very, very badly at the moment. But that's absolutely the core of my uh, the core of the work that I do now but the real twist is that I came to realize that in order to be exactly who you are I'm not a big fan of the word authentic so I, I try not to use it but in order to be you in your wholeness that that is essentially disobedient it doesn't matter whether you're doing that in the business environment and the business evolution simply came out of the fact that so many of my clients that worked with me were small business owners and we ended up working so much on their business as an integral part of the work they did that that was just a that that was very much a natural evolution for me but that's showing up in a in a way that is a hundred percent you in your wholeness giving yourself permission to be all the things that you are is by its very essence a disobedient act in society because for the most part that society's definition of belonging is fitting it it's being something in order to fit into some kind of paradigm, to some kind of group that you may or may not feel comfortable in. And it's it's an act of disobedience to choose to belong to yourself, in, in my opinion. And I guess my visual transformation, which is quite interesting, you're absolutely right. In the photographs that you saw on my website, they were taken, for some context, they were taken in January 2020, just before um, the pandemic. And uh, the current ones that are more, and me, as you see me today, uh, probably were about January 21. And for, for, for people that have never seen a photograph of me, I had shoulder length, light brown, natural coloured hair. Um, and my website was, was lovely. It felt very homely and very nice. And there was still quite a lot of, there was still quite a lot of conforming in there, that, that, that presentation of my business. There was still quite a lot of, this is my home. This is where I feel at home. But this is not me on the inside. This is the the nice cutesy environment around me, if you like. Whereas, I think I I always feel very hesitant to say thank you to the um to the lockdowns, etc. Because I am very very aware of how tough that that was for a lot of people. But in the UK, one of the things that the many lockdowns we had last year 
gave me was the the sort of space to I wouldn't say finally because I feel like this job of unpacking um and finding you is a lifelong um you know ambition but but it gave me the headspace and the actual time really and the quiet to really kind of unpick the next steps if you like and that resulted in me the way I described the hair so again for context I now have hair that is essentially grade one shaved at the sides at the back um longish on the top and bleached white blonde pink um which is a bit different <laughs> um but the way I describe that is that it's a representation of me on the inside on the outside so it felt visually like that sort of final frontier of oh to hell with it to hell with any kind any kind of you know I'm supposed to look a certain way um I'm supposed to present a certain way lots of conditioning in my life around well if you have you know hair that's shaved and all that kind of thing what will people assume about your gender what will people assume about your sexuality etc and I no longer cared you know whether their assumptions were right wrong or otherwise it just became the um the final frontier of who gives a hell that's how I feel on the inside so that's how I'm going to make my hair look on the outside I love that. I'm taking notes while we're talking because I know I have to go back to that later. I, I followed you along, right? I saw the gradual changes. I saw how you changed your hair. I, I followed you on Instagram. But if somebody didn't do that and they saw your account 18 months ago before COVID and then saw you, they would be like shocked. It's like, wow, what would it it's not just a little change. It's, it's a lot of change. And for me, when I saw that, coming back to the, to the term disobedient business, mm -hmm. it just nails the topic on the hat. It feels like, yeah, all the, the visuals, the talking, the, the topics, everything falls in line. And all of a sudden, this image of that is far out there. That changes. It's drastic. That's that shock moment that some people might have all of a sudden gets softened because it feels like, ah, no, now I get it. It all falls in line. So my question to you would be, what do you think when we talk about struggle versus ease, doing a change is easier when you know how it falls in line with, with everything else, like with everything that you described, right? So how important is it to not just have that visual change or behavior change, but align that with words so that people understand and people can follow up? Because you used other words before, like rebel life and unpretzel. And they were like, oh, yeah, I, I get that. Like, you know, everybody has some associations, but disobedient is so spot on. So how much clarity of being able to communicate what is going on, why this change is happening, because you believe in disobedience, how much easier did it actually make the process of going through that change, if it did? Yeah, no, I get that. And I, it feels like that's the age-old action before thinking or mindset. Mindset's a challenging phrase from my point of view, but that's another, another subject. It is comes first, you know. So if you liken that to um, people trying to follow particular food plans, for example, or, you know, anything, any kind of change that you're trying to make in life, there is that constant interesting challenge between do I get my mindset, my thinking, um, how I'm feeling into the right place 
because that will help me do and be? Um, or do I take action and how I feel about things um, will follow? Because as a result of it, it's not quite fake it is, and, until you make it. It's more a case of, you know, acting as such um, helps you feel into that and so on and so forth. And I don't know that I believe either of those things to be true. I think um, did all of the work that I do that I did um, in the sort of 18 months running up to the beginning, say the beginning of 2021, um, support claiming this disobedience space. Um, yes, it did. You know, you talk about unpretzeling and um, and I loved that. That was kind of my my way of talking about this unravelling or untame yourself, if you're going to put it in Glennon terms. Um, did all of that support, you know, the, the sort of evolution of disobedience? Yeah, of course it did. Was it anywhere near as um, impactful and powerful? No. And I think if you'd said to me, I think if you'd said to me 18 months prior to that, when I was talking in those kind of terms, sure, in, in a, you know, in a year and a half's time, you're going to evolve into talking about this in a slightly different way and using the phrase disobedient, I would have gone, no, because that feels disruptive. That feels intentionally um, antagonistic, which of course it is, um, and, and it's meant to be. <laughs> but I think I had to go there in order for it to evolve in the way that it did. If you then think that then on a stage has me kind of discovering the phrase disobedient as the way that I want to describe this work um, supported me to be more disobedient to to own the bleach blonde hair, for example, has that sort of had a constant 360 degree situation. So one supported the other. So if I take it back to that whole, do you think your way into a solution and then act or do you act and then start to feel that way? It's been a constant 360 degrees for me. So, you know, identifying the phrase disobedient, stepping into that space, feeling a bit nervous in that space, but that space enabling to me, me to be more bold, be more disobedient, show up as more of me, has a sort of um, rolling stone gathers moss kind of <laughs> kind of effect of empowering me to to really own that particular, as you said, it's it's, it's quite a niche, isn't it? And it was, um, to be honest with you, the, the phrase came out of a combination of sort of family conversation one afternoon where we were talking about, you know, really in the simplest of words, what what were synonyms, if you like, of rebel and maverick and things like that. And I would I'd love to be able to give credit to the member of the family that came up with disobedience. I couldn't tell you which one it was. Um, but it really then came on to me to mean and whilst I absolutely do not want to draw any lines between the two because one is an incredibly important um, approach to the world, so civil, civil disobedience, um, and what I'm doing is by no means going to have the kind of effect that, um, you know, folks that commit themselves to civil dis disobedience does. But from a business point of view, what it has come to mean to me, that kind of refusal to, I think when I looked it up, the the, the literal definition of civil disobedience is about the active and you know uh, articulated refusal of a, a citizen I think is the phrase um, to obey laws orders commands etc of a government because they do not believe them you know to be fair just etc and I kind of take a a version of that over into the business space and say look there's all these paradigms and ways of doing things and so many of them come from the you know pale stale male 100 years old history of our world um 
and they don't work anymore and they're not rooted in humans they're rooted in manipulation and money and capitalism and so on and I want no part of that that's not to say that I don't run my business to make money I do um but I believe in the how and I believe in the who um is so much more important than the money on the table so yeah that's kind of I don't know whether that answers the question probably answers the question and goes off at another tangent entirely but that's one has emboldened me to be more of myself and me making the changes that I did emboldened me to be able to you know evolve my business in the way so it's kind of been a constantly self-fulfilling circle really yeah I love what you just said I mean because courage is always uncomfortable right if you would feel comfortable it wouldn't be courageous so it's courage is uncomfortable but at the same time every act of courage or let's say 90% of them is scripted right so you need to practice being courageous let's start by firefighters they train and they train to fight against their instinct of running away from the fire and running towards it and all these kind of things so we can script courage in advance and we can role play it for a lack of better description that when we find ourselves in a situation that we need to step into courage we know how we want to be or how we want this courage to unfold in action, in mannerism, in the way we behave. So I want to ask one more time with that in mind, you look incredibly at ease with the whole topic of going against the grain. So I want to ask again, where is this ease coming from? What had or how did that change or that shift in you happen that you got to this point? To say like, you know what, I just took these pictures, these neat norm conforming pictures in January 2020. And then six months later, I'm throwing that all overboard and I'm doing something that looks 180 degrees the other direction. Can you get back to that maybe a little bit? Yeah, I totally can. And I would love to say that there was a nice tweetable <laughs> soundbite of an answer to that question. But the reality is, Nick, that in January 2020, that was me. That was not me pretending to be somebody else. That was not me um, uh, faking it. That was not me knowingly trying to conform um, in any way, shape or form. I thought at the time, because the photo shoot, because I didn't take any of these photographs, as you might imagine, they were taken by a photographer. And um, the same photographer, interestingly enough, the same photographer on both occasions, and the photographs that we took in January 2020 were very much um, felt like a real step forward. You know, everything that I'd taken in the past had been very staged. Um, they'd been very, you know, let's have professional makeup and all the rest of it. Um, that was just me and my photographer, Chloe, showing up to a an Airbnb that we'd rented for the day because I was living in a house with zero natural light. So that wasn't possible. Um, and just me being me. There was no hairstylist. There was no, you know, professional makeup or anything like that. I just got up, combed my hair and, and showed up and we took some fun photos. So that was me. And so the, the really interesting thing is the evolution is just me. It's not a really massive, conscious, dare I say, courageous step into a new space. Um, I think as I come back to what I said about that sort of midlife time, these times between sort of 
I wouldn't like to put a specific age bracket on it, but say 40s and 50s, that unshedding time, that never has the phrase, if you knew me yesterday, you don't know me today, ever been more true, um, because your your beliefs are constantly being adapted and tweaked. Your acceptance of humans is constantly being adapted and tweaked. Your acceptance of yourself is constantly improving, well, hopefully, for, for most folks, is constantly improving in in the same proportions to other people's influence on you so I would love to say that there was some kind of massive event or some kind of um, real aha moment or process or you know I went on a million dollar retreat or something clever like that but I really didn't you know the this change this stepping into the current version of myself um, the version of me today the one that you're talking to today is absolutely valid today and I'm willing to put a lot of money on the table to say that if you and I were to have this conversation in two years time it would be different again and it would be the same quantities of different um, as was the paper that you were potentially talking to last June simply because my understanding of the world my care of the people in the world their views what they stand for what they think about how I have an impact on them, how they have an impact on me, changes and becomes more open as the days go by. And so really fundamental things that I believed about the world or I believed about my opinion of the world or elements of it um, two months ago potentially have changed substantially. Um, and with that, I do. You know, every new little bit of understanding that I have of this wonderful planet that we spin around on Um impacts how I show up and is it about giving less fucks yeah I suppose there's an element in there around giving less fucks what other people think and constantly maybe consciously maybe that's maybe that's one of the significant differences over the last year the the, my evolution up until said photo shoot was probably a bit more unconscious it was probably a bit more um you know you are of midlife things are changing hormones are doing weird things um this last 18 months has been more of a chase the change if you like it's been more of a I love this it's scary um but actually it's really exciting and it really allows me to (laughs) fuck with the world a bit um and as a result I now kind of consciously pursue that that new knowledge that get a little bit uncomfortable that challenge my views on race gender disability doesn't doesn't really matter what the you know the area of the life and the people in it and and the world is I now embrace that in a in a determined way rather than it just happening to me if you like so maybe that's um a significant part of it but the courage aspect I really (laughs) I really want to say it takes a lot of courage but it hasn't felt like it has there's been times where it's felt awful but those kind of courageous moments have been things like showing up they've been things like I don't know doing a a new video recording for something on social media or or those kind of things where you have to be very visible visible in many ways not just in a photograph but that people are listening to you and hearing what you have to say about the world and and those kind of things but but they've been small moments of need to be courageous this morning situations they haven't been put the bleach on your hair and step out into the world kind of courageous that doesn't feel courageous at all I don't know why it just doesn't well I just want to say that I'm massively 
jealous of you having found the word. Like, I think it's so spot on. And I am just like, oh, if I could just really get across what I'm about, what my business is about, then it's just... Uh, yeah, I just feel this this absolute jealousy <laughs> towards you and the change that you have. That no, wait, jealousy is the wrong word. Envious. I'm completely envious because it's inspiring me. Right? It really gives me the the motivation to go and investigate and to look deeper for myself. So nailing it. How would that look like for me? And that brings me to courage and be bold because when I speak to my clients and my metier, um, talking about doing interior design and changing what, what it feels like, the experience of home and the mm -hmm. experience of being yourself in your home. I have often clients that start off and go, yeah, I just want it to be a tad nicer, a wee bit. And then I just want to vomit, right? <laughs> because there is no point in doing 100% of change, doing all this work, hiring a designer for 10% impact, right? So my big thing is all like, how do I get my clients to embrace courage and courage to be bold and courage to be themselves? Okay. And all I want to say is when I see your change and being Yes, as you said, disruptive. I just think it's it's reeking of joy, right? <laughs> it's so joyful what you're doing right now. I'm just like, ah, ah, it's reeking of joy. <laughs> it's reeking is usually a bad word, but in your case, it's just it's good. I'll so take that. What, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so doing what you're doing now, because before that you were a general life coach, so to say, you niche down now you niche down to to business owners so how important is it to embrace controversy and to be edgy in order to stand out when we talk now about not just you privately but how you help your clients yeah that's interesting if you're talking about me personally um I would like <laughs> my kids. I have um, two kids, age twenty eight, and so they're not kids at all. Age twenty eight and twenty four. Uh, if you, if <laughs> if they were to hear me refer to myself as edgy, <laughs> they would piss themselves laughing. Um, I am, yeah. <laughs> now that's a really interesting question for me. I don't know that I come at this from the point of view of how people perceive me, and maybe that is, maybe that is the significant thing here. Um, I show up in my business, whether that be on social media, whether that be for podcast interviews, whether that be with clients or otherwise, as far as possible into my wholeness as a human being as I can. And if that therefore means I'm likely to use the word fuck as punctuation, so be it. If that therefore means that I'm as likely to turn up in a vest with my hair not having seen a comb that morning um, as I am you know, with a full face of makeup and, you know, the, the, the straighteners have come out, um, then that's me and my wholeness in that moment. And I work with folks that, that run their own business um, that do not give a shit about that aspect of me. They absolutely subscribed to the notion that whether I swear, whether I have or haven't put a comb through my hair, are the least interesting things about the work that we do together or me as a human being. 
and that they have absolutely no impact on whether or not I can support them in the capacity um, as a business coach and a system strategist. So that is probably the most important thing. I don't, it's very easy in online business and I do not hold myself out in spite of this being what I do for a living. I do not hold myself out as being the expert at all. Um, but it's very easy to have a plan to show up in a particular way. You know, you can work with branding experts and um, and I mean branding in the sort of, you know, big sense of the definition rather than just visual colours and things like that. Um, to get your message across and understand how your brand presents itself and so on. But if you are running a personal brand, you know, we're not all Apple, so we're not all, you know, trying to sell computers and it's a much bigger the brand is bigger than the person. Obviously, Steve Jobs not with us anymore, but the brand was, um, you know, he was not a personal brand as such. And yes, I do 100% believe that your brand can have a different personality to you. And funny enough, I had this conversation with a client recently who is a very bold and very, very forward human being um, who was talking to a graphic designer around um, beautiful, muted pastels and um you know minimalist and so on and so forth and in those kind of situations you know we had a conversation around you know what I get that that's what you would want to have in your home but is that your brand's personality is that how you want people to perceive the work that you do um because it's the work that you do and if that's if that's true then great but for me it's been around just having my business represent me in every way so if I show up with the you know casual tursing and the uncombed hair, um, does my business represent that? You know, not in the way that suggests I don't give a shit because I give a lot of shits about you know a lot of things, but but in a way that means that the work that I do is about the work. It's not about me having to intentionally be disruptive or intentionally be edgy. Um, or decide, you know, get up in the morning and decide, right, I'm going to go on Instagram stories and I'm going to de- deliberately say something that um, is divisive, you know, and so on and so forth. It's just not the way I function. You know, I show up as me. I want to start conversations with people um, that are interesting, that help them feel the same kind of courage and empowerment to, and it is, you're, you're right, 100% right in the respect that showing up in your wholeness takes courage because you know we live in a world that would like us to do the complete opposite um but my 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 uh, vision mission whatever the right phrase is is simply around supporting other business owners to be successful yes to make money but to have a business that's run on their terms that delivers what they want for their life their version of success whatever that may be um, it's not about any number of figures. It's about whatever that, you know, whatever those, that particular person wants to do. And hopefully in a way to do it, that means that by me supporting them, they're able to show up in a way that is, quote unquote, disobedient. Um, thus, hopefully helping, you know, with the confidence, courage and empowerment of another business owner and another business owner. And more and more humans get to show up in this space and not ascribing to all of the shoulds and the supposed goals and successes we are allegedly meant to strive for, and that we can actually show up in a way that has an impact on the world in a small, granted, but um, in a positive way, rather than just in a 
seek a particular goal, live the laptop lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera, which great. I'd love to be successful in my business in a financial sense, but it's a much bigger picture than that. Yeah, you touched on on so many things right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So if I can give you an example, I <laughs> what I keep telling my clients, because you touched the topic of branding, is is this phrase of your home is not a branding exercise. And a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, okay. And they're like, wait, what does that mean? And branding is always something you do for somebody else. So like you said, for your client, like the way they show up for their clients is serving a purpose. Branding is always looking to the past of where do you come from? What skills do you have? And proving to people that you can provide or perform the way you say you can. It's more proof that you are the right person. Whilst being at home, I absolutely disagree of having to prove anything to anybody. That should never be the case. But at the same time, I as a business owner, and that's, I guess, where I personally struggle, I do have to brand myself and the business on social media. And it took me a very long time where I'm still in the process of finding the concrete, how do I do that? Like, how do I not, how do I live my truth fully of not branding myself at home, but then show up from inside my home because I work from home on social mm -hmm. media that needs to be branded, right? So I'm living this controversy, like this, these opposing realities or these opposing beliefs at the same time. And sometimes that is quite hard. Which brings me then to the question, I make a distinction between adapting and changing because adapting is always for something. And if we say adapt for, that means we need to be more open and we need to be more accepting and we need to um, surrender. I don't know if surrender is the right word, but like, you know, just be more open that things might not be the way we would design them but we accept them and we learn to live with that. And changing, on the other hand, feels very much against something. Changing is more about boundaries of being less open and more exclusive with your time and your attention. And, you know, I want to change things because I've had enough, this kind of feeling. So when I talk okay. to my clients, I'm all for adapting. If that adapting means more openness to be more yourself but if we're doing this change in order so that you can impress your boss your husband's boss or your mother-in-law and her chihuahua <laughs> then uh, no like there we need we need change like you need to learn to leave the outside world outside close the door and be within your home for yourself right so a <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> It's a stupid <laughs> question. B, no, I know from our discussion that we had a year ago, because I watched that back, you are all for standing against something openly. And you've done Absolutely. so on your, on your account and it's necessary. So yeah, would you do the same differentiation between adapting for and changing against? And why is it important to be openly and publicly against something? Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's big. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, coming back to what you, okay, so 
cycling back a minute to what you said a minute ago, which was it it feels I think one of the things that I said earlier around my um my white blonde hair um being a representation of me on the inside on the outside feels like you could relate that very much to poems so if you are talking to you know somebody who's looking at their home and yes I realize that so many people myself included in the past have dressed their homes bought their homes you know done all of the things to their homes in order to fit in with the Joneses or the mother-in-law with the chihuahua as the case may be um but that belonging to yourself piece, uh, you know, and that you that, that I know is a significant part of your work, feels like that is finding a way to create a home around yourself in a physical sense, as opposed to the home of belonging that you build inside yourself, that represents you on the inside, on the outside. Um, there's a comma in that sentence somewhere, so that may or may not have scanned, <laughs> scanned very well. Um, and... I feel like that's that's almost the important piece. You know, you can make a, a home, and this is most definitely not my zone of genius, but you can make a home look look gorgeous a million different ways because everybody's taste is different. Um, you know, everybody's idea of gorgeous is different. I can appreciate a gorgeous home that looks, um, I don't know, covered in leather and so on and so forth. And I can go, oh, that's that's very impressive. I'd never want to spend time in it because it's not my thing. So it's how you can take what's on your inside and the things that matter to you and the things that you very much don't stand for um, and represent those in the environment that you create around yourself. So that's that I feel that's really important. And that's as akin to the work that I do just from a home's point of view, as it is from a um, business and how you show up as a human in the world. Um, what was the second part of your question? <laughs> I've definitely lost the thread of that. Yeah, no, it's it's. Yeah, it was a big question. Trying to span too much distance. Now, the second part of the question is just coming into your purpose, because I know that a lot of your work, you are driven and you have the mission of just calling out BS. Yes. And just calling out the BS and saying, you know what, I don't want to be part of this. And it's one of the three kinds of courage that I know, right? The courage to stand up for yourself, the courage to stand up against somebody else. And then the third one is the courage to actively start creating something different. And then if you become a creator, you become vulnerable to, to attacks from others that don't agree with you. So how and why is it important as a person, as a business? The people that you work for, that they clearly state, I'm all for yada, 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 but I'm also completely against and then have publicly named the things that you are not willing to tolerate. And I think it is part for entrepreneurs like you and me, definitely, because we are just one person, two person businesses, but we see it in, in larger organizations as well, that to stand against something that you don't believe in how important is that and yeah courage that you need to come up with to to do that but also the element of setting yourself free by saying you know what I'm not willing to accept the status quo yeah absolutely um it, it came back to me as she was as she was saying that um yeah that's interesting isn't it because you're, you're absolutely right there are a 
there's a million things I couldn't possibly list here that I would stand against in the world. And there's probably another equal million that I would stand for. Um, I think there's two aspects to this because it has become, I think it's important to call out that it has become, dare I say, trendy in this fun online business space to be ostensibly anti-racist or ostensibly trauma-informed in the work that you do, for example. We go through waves in our fun little world of things coming into the zeitgeist and people jumping on the bandwagon. And whilst I 100% stand behind, you know, my business is built on, as far as I'm concerned, is built on the foundation of what as a human being I will not tolerate. And as I've said in this conversation already, that evolves as my understanding evolves, and I can almost guarantee you that there'll be something that I understand about the world in the tiniest possible of ways today that will mean that there's another tiny thing that I wouldn't stand for tomorrow, because that's just the the nature of my sort of constant evolution that I keep talking about. But one of the things that pisses me off, if I'm honest with you, and you can add it into this fucking with the business status quo thing that I talk about, which is very much my mission, you know, how can I how can I mess with the way things are supposed to be? Is business owners jumping on the bandwagon because it is trendy right now to stand out against A, B, and C um, and doing it as a ploy? So it's done as a tactic, it's done as a marketing strategy, it's done as a, a no like and trust nonsense because that really, yeah. this is a very, very British phrase, but that really boils my piss. <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. I, um, because for every person that does that, they're just subscribing to this, you know, they are subscribing to the sort of six figures nonsense um, in the world in the worst possible way, because they're jumping on the backs of people, um, you know, and lives and movements that are already marginalised by exactly the same people. So it's like the worst double whammy ever. Um, But when it comes to business owners that are committed to doing things differently, they're committed to doing things with integrity, they're committed to put humans in their every form possible at the front of what they do then yes 100% it's about standing up for yes standing up for yourself but standing against the things in the world that are unjust unfair all forms of oppression Um, and that's not to say that any one business owner can fix it Um, I don't believe that any of us can fix it whatever it is but I do feel, I mean, I feel really, I feel really, really strongly about this because so much so that if somebody had shared views with me of a nature that felt uncomfortable to me, no amount of money on the planet would have me work for them. I would rather not be able to pay my rent before I would work with a client who shared with me that they had views that were supporting the oppression of any kind of person on the planet, whoever they may be. Um, And that feels to me is really important. Does that mean anecdotally that I therefore connect or the work that I do lands with people that feel similarly? Yes, it does, um, obviously. Um, Is that part of a marketing ploy? No, it's part of a pippa ploy. It's It's part of the way I show up in the world and want to have or intend to have a business that is for more than just my success and the paying of my rent right yeah 
yeah, um, you know, trends. I could talk about trends all day long. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I get that. I have that with my client as well. And it's this, <sighs> when they embrace change and they want to really, I know the intention is wholeheartedly do something different. But then when we talk about the concrete how-tos, like as long as we stay theoretical or on an idea-based level, they are totally on board. And then we go and, okay, but how do we do that? Like, how do we switch from value, a value that you can share with somebody, to a worth? Like, how do you show how much this is personally worth to you? It becomes this, what I like to call calculated authenticity, right? It's, I don't want to be a copy of another, but I don't want to be too different neither. And it's very much about fitting in when you are the bystander listening to it. But for them, it doesn't feel like that. They are not realizing they're playing the fitting in game, right? Yeah, so it absolutely. is a hard, it is a very hard yeah, sometimes I'm just wondering, how do we come to the realization? I know those moments from myself in my own life when I realized, just as you said, like a month ago, I was totally convinced that this is my authentic me. And then yeah. a month later, I realized, damn, like I've been bullshitting myself here. And I didn't realize this is so not me. Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And sometimes I wish there was a way of forcing this kind of realization on other people. When you see it from the outside, how can I accelerate the process of showing you how much you're bullshitting yourself? But I guess, <laughs> yeah, that's that's another topic. <laughs> that's another. Yeah, the, the age, we could do a whole podcast on, you know, how do you take people along for the ride? The The answer very simply is much like, I mean, I'm not married in full disclosure, but much like if you have a partner who just can't see A, B and C, you can't drag them there. You couldn't drag yeah. them there kicking and screaming if you wanted to. Um, you have to light the way, be the thing and hope that the people will follow and work with people that do see it in the meantime. It's interesting that you say that because I have another podcast guest coming up. She's a psychologist and relationship counsellor. And she has a program that is called Relationship Design, which is like, wait a second. Like it feels exactly oh, wow. in there. And I was just like, I've got to talk to you about that. But that's coming up. <laughs> I'm, <recording laughs> well, I'm not any wiser yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I shall listen. I have one more topic, one more aspect of change that I would like to cover. And okay. that is change and patience. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So when, <laughs> Right. Sometimes we crave change. And if, if I go back to my de definition of you've had your cup full and you're realizing you need some boundaries and change needs to happen, we are usually impatient and that change cannot come fast enough. When you're fed up, you're just, I'm fed up. I need that now. And sometimes it's more creeping and you wish like, whoa, you realize something needs to change, but you're not emotionally quite there yet. But if we take that example of, you and me and the way we talked a year ago mm -hmm. so I remember and not just remember I have it recorded <laughs> you already talked in June 2020 about the mastermind that you just launched you just launched this month of what well, not we already in October so you launched it in September yeah. um 
and what you've been talking about before, disobedient mastermind and how to fuck with the system whilst embracing yourself and the way you handle things and maybe calling out your, your own bullshit at, at times. So whilst I said earlier, if somebody didn't follow you on Instagram and saw you your account a year ago and then a year later, this change that you might, might be bold, it's like, whoa, how did so much change happen so quickly? Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, when you're in it and you're making this change, one could also argue, okay, so she talked already in June 2020, and then it took like another, I don't know, 14 months until she realized that change, until she got to launch that mastermind. Um, from your experience, from yourself, maybe from your client, how do you experience change and patience or impatience and the, how we approach making a change because a lot of people always think you know change is this one time project there's a before a during and an after and we all understand that it's not like change happens continuously but still we wish for that finality of clear phases and being able to put a check mark behind okay change done i'm done with it now let's move on yep. to the next thing right so what's yeah. your take on change and patience and developing whatever needs to be developed i am probably the least good person well that was grammatically cool wasn't it um the least brilliant person to ask this question of because i have no patience none <laughs> no patience me neither. me neither i am um, so I do need to say that this is, you know, so therefore I would not suggest that I could offer advice on patients at all. Um, and it's been, I am schooled by life daily on um, this change being, oh, I made one of vomit saying this, but change being a journey. Not about, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Because hell yes, it's about the destination. I want to fucking get there. I want to be done. I want to tick that box because I am a box ticker. I am a Taurus. I am a yeah. manifester. I am all of the things in all of the personality trait type things that I am a boom, boom, get it done, sort it, finish, let's move on. Um, and <laughs> I despair on a daily basis that I cannot control the universe, that I cannot make change conform uh, or make evolution or make mm, things stand still for long enough to go, oh, that was a change. I can tick a box. Because the reality is, it's not. <laughs> and the reality is that, you know, you might want to make a change. So if you're making a, a specific change, you want to change a career. You know, you want to get out of one career and get into another. Well, then arguably one can put a marker in the sand that says, um, I changed my career because when I got the job that is in this new career, that was me done. That's great. That's lovely. There is a, there is a finish point there. But for most things in life, and certainly the way that you look at the world, certainly the way that you show up in the world, there is no finish line. And I don't know how we best come to terms with that as people that struggle with being patient. Um, other than, on the one hand, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's never going to be done. I'm so wanted to be done now. I haven't got any patience. I haven't got any patience. Is, is, is yeah that's not so great the other way of looking at it is it has no end it has no finish line and if there's no finish line 
So if you're an impatient person and you really want it to be done, and if it has no finish line, then there's no box to tick. It's just a sort of acceptance that you're just living and that things will be different tomorrow and that you can set your navigation in a particular direction to make a change and that along that way, certain things might happen, certain other things might happen. But then there isn't a destination. You know, it's not even so much that it's not about the destination. There isn't one because it doesn't stop. And if you can come to terms with that as a positive, because there isn't a box to tick, then you haven't got to get factious and challenged about not having ticked it yet, because it isn't there. So I don't know whether that's a bit existential, (laughs) but that's certainly the way this alpha human Taurus driven (laughs) box ticker has come to terms with the fact that um, she hasn't got a to-do list that she can tick for those kind of changes. Yeah. Yeah. I always keep saying, even if there is no finish, the relief is that you feel better along the way. Like, you know, the more you do it, the better I feel about myself. Because if I feel impatient and I need change now, that means something's really, really going wrong right now. If I'm so impatient to do it differently, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. The, The positive for me is that this impatience will feel less urgent indeed I feel less um in German we say beaten with a stick <laughs> to do things yeah. differently right urgency is, is is less prominent in that case and I feel less like somebody's whipping me to do this and it's completely me right whipping myself so <laughs> just to be clear um when you think back now on the time like we talked in June 2020 and you just launched your mastermind Does it feel long or does it feel short? You know, when you look at the timeline. Yeah. You know, both is the answer to that. So the mastermind in its current form was not even a a twinkle in my eye back in June 2020. That kind of bringing disobedient business owners together, um, you know, providing that kind of support um, and a space to be able to have challenging conversations along with coaching for business growth and those kind of things that just was not something that I had entertained even as an idea back in June 2020 you know um yes at the same time I have you on record already mentioning elements that you then retook right you said phrases in that interview that that we recorded in 2020 that I can see you picked up in your mastermind as just like even if you didn't know those seats were already there because you said words that I've now heard again in your mastermind. And to be fair, I didn't know that until I rewatched that recording. I was like, ah, she was already talking back then about that. (laughs) This recording that you've got is freaking me out. It really is. (laughs) 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 You're you're absolutely right. But then I think that's probably the case since I, I qualified as a coach back in 2016. And every single day since then has been leading to today and it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world to say because of course every single day has been leading into today but every decision I took every every dead end I went down in terms of this is the work I want to do the work in the world no this is the work I want to do in the world and I have absolutely no doubt as of Friday the 15th of October that if we fast forward to the 15th of October of 2023 um, we'll be having a slightly different conversation now I don't think it'll be the same leaps and bounds of difference as the previous six years has done but I do think it'll be 
significantly different, you know, different in some way. Who knows what way? Because my understanding of the world will evolve between now and then. And so will the work that I do. And so will the people that I do it with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated that you can see threads in there, but not at all surprised. Um, so, yeah, it, it both feels like a, a humongous period of time. And then also no time at all, because seemingly in one way, the work that I do in terms of the format that I do it in and the folks that I do it with bears no resemblance to what I was doing last June. And yet, in many ways, it's exactly the same, just tweaked. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, the topic was there. Yeah. Just the how to, the realization wasn't, right? Yeah, And sometimes... I mean, that's, I mean, that's the main takeaway, right? Just have to start doing the change in order to then realize, you know, you can play through change theoretically in your mind. Okay, perfect. And then in real life, it will be nothing, nothing like that. And you might change into something completely different than you might have planned in in the first place. Like in theory and practice will look different. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay, so... What would you say is the main skill, ability, mindset? I don't know. What's the main commonality that people that are willing to change or that go through successful change have in common the before they start? And then how I'm not even sure. Like I'm babbling right now. <laughs> Do you know? I think, I, no, I think I think I know. I think I know what you mean. And I would probably say yeah, there's lots of things in there. You could throw courage into there and all sorts of things. But for me, The one thread that really jumps into my mind is connection and communication. So they are people that do not apply a thinking solution to a doing problem or vice versa, for that matter, because, you know, or has a combination and that they talk to folks. So one of the biggest lessons for me in this last year has definitely been have an idea and talk to people and share it and get feedback not in a kind of can I get your feedback on things but just have open conversations with people rather than guarding your little sort of embryonic change and plotting it in spreadsheets and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it Um, and I'd apply that to life as much as I would the business space Um, have conversations with other human beings that you trust and connect with I think that is one of the most common threads between people that embrace change and are courageous enough to experiment and accept that it is an experiment as opposed to a success or fail situation. And that as you do the experiment, you tweak it until you get the outcome that you're looking for. Yeah. And not just the people that you already know. Like I realized oh, uh-huh. that yes, me talking to people like you that I would have never met in real life if it wasn't for social media, if it wasn't for saying okay I'm gonna reach out like that even more so I think because after yeah. all we have a very conditioned life with the people that we surround ourselves with and then getting the outside perspective not just through I mean reading is always the first education kind of thing but then actually reaching out to other people's wisdom practically lived knowledge yes. from people that have 100%. a completely different experience that is so important I couldn't agree more. And if if anything, I would say that, you know, when it comes to talking, particularly about things like business ideas and what have you, asking your inner circle of humans that are in your life as opposed to in your business life is more often than not the worst possible thing you can do. (laughs) Because whilst you want, you know, you want to seek out different opinions, 
you want to seek out people to explore things with that are not necessarily committed to your success, failure, emotional safety, financial safety, or any of the above. They're just happy to have a conversation with you in an open and objective way, um, which is not something that's easy to have with people that are invested in you and your safety, but also invested in their and their safety in relation to you. Absolutely. All right. We hit the one hour mark. First of all, I want to acknowledge you, Pippa, for showing up, for being so open, for dealing with me over the last year and a half. <laughs> and the back and it's forth been a pleasure. And always being so open and willing to interact and give your opinion. And whilst I always feel you're pushing, you are never, you know, I mean, you speak my kind of language. <laughs> I, I never feel, uh, you know, that's rude or intruding or sometimes I do feel like it's a slap in the face, but a very lovingly. Well done. I, I, I will add that to my, <laughs> um, my website copy. I, I, I'm happy to give you a loving slap in the face. <laughs> no, and I'm absolutely for it. Like, I, I love that. Like having these mind blow moments when you realize, damn, I didn't even realize in the slightest like the whole world's open up I want to thank you for that and I want to thank you for that for your change that you made and the way that you show up because it inspires me every time I see you on social media it inspires me you know what I can do that like I don't have to be so damn norm conform and do it as anybody else I can just be more unfiltered and um, you really inspire me to do that and I'm very pleased Good. So hindsight, wisdom, any last words? What are the questions or have I missed anything? What's the question that I should have asked that I haven't asked? And yeah, let's start with that. What's the question that I should have asked when it comes to change? What comes into your mind when you think of change that we haven't touched in this in this conversation? Um, I don't know that I have a question, only a sort of passing thought and as I'm thinking it in my brain I'm thinking it sounds quite trite but it's the piece around you know what is the cost of change what do I have to lose yes in order to change what do I have to leave behind um and how risky that feels to many people um when they're looking at change even what many people might think of as small change you know it could be Um, to do with our identity, how we see ourselves in the world, anything, measured against the cost of not. The cost of, if we're lucky on this planet for 90 or so years, whatever you believe in, in terms of, um, you know, reincarnation, etc. And what is the cost of not showing up and being in your wholeness on the planet? And not in this, you know, if you get to your deathbed and you look back, you know, what will, you know, will your life be meaningful? None of that bullshit. Just what is the cost? What is the cost, not just to you, but what is the cost to everybody that you will ever interact with in your life if you do not show up in your wholeness and then support them in being able to show up in theirs? Absolutely. Now, my last question would have been now, looking back at your own change, are you happy with it? Was it worth it? (laughs) What was the things where you said like, ah, maybe... That's a lesson that I take out of this change to do different next time. Um, Fuck yes, I'm happy with it. And I've not done yet. So so no, I don't regret anything. And no, I wouldn't do anything differently because 
I don't hang about long enough. I've kind of got on the daily, hourly, minutely evolution bandwagon. So, you know, I've drunk the Kool, a full-blown drunk the Kool-Aid now that there isn't the time and the energy to go, oh, if I could have approached that differently, doesn't matter. Um, I can do it differently from today. Um, so I don't really look back at whether I could have done it a better way, a different way or done anything differently before because it takes too much not energy in a in a bad way, but it takes too much of you as a human to show up for that evolution on a daily basis without worrying about whether or not you did it right yesterday. Right. Yeah, I have one more question here that I'm like I'm <laughs> checking on my you know my list, my beautiful colored cards here. One more would have been what has become clearer to you since you embraced the intensity of being you. Because if somebody asked me how would you describe Pippa's change, I would say she changed gears when it comes to intensity and she's embracing higher intensity that that that's Amazing. what i'm in mind no but i think you you answered that. <laughs> you completely answered that already so yeah thank you oh you're so welcome it's been wonderful to chat to you i can't wait if we managed to finally do it yeah we're not lucky <laughs> back and forth but it has worked out in the end and now we're here and now all that is left for me is put it online That's thank it. you pippa oh, thank you no. so much been a treat it really has This is it, mon ami. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Pippa from Pippa Parfait Coaching. And if you asked me to pass on the message that she taught me, which you actually never do, but I'm going to give it to you, is, is that daring to be different is in some shape or form always an act against something. Even if we don't have the intention to be antagonistic and before we can do this, before we can change against, before we can build up new boundaries, I guess we have to know what it is exactly that irks us. What is it exactly that we want to opt out of? And in order to do so, we probably first always have to actively do things the way everybody does it so that we can then know how to break the rules, how to do it differently. And in hindsight, change always looks easy, right? Because it's already complete. It seems cohesive. And the before and the during, it's just not. It's just less defined. It's just complicated. So again, before you know how you can do and how you can get what you want to do differently, you have to know how to get the same results first. And sometimes spectacular or loud changes, loud results can come about. No, they actually always do come about in a very quiet and unspectacular process. So let me tell you why I felt so compelled having Pippa on my podcast. We always want to change for the better. And if we want to change for the better, it's always a search for our own integrity, right? To be more, oh, I hate the word, but to be more aligned. What I love about Pippa and her changes, I was able to follow these last two years, was she's always owning up to who she is that day. And she's owning up fully. And it takes a lot of guts to see yourself as a complete person today 
or as Pippa calls it, standing in your current wholeness, whilst also knowing and owning the imperfection of this current version of yourself, knowing that life might and will teach you a lesson, probably today, that will make you come back and change your truth that you just stated today, tomorrow again. But that's it, right? Just because you're not finished changing, that you're not finished learning and evolving as a person yet, it does not mean you're incomplete and that you can't already do something with that version that you are now. Because that now of you can already help somebody else. So, yes, change always happens in context. And it will ripple. It will have ripple effects and you got to try it out and see how these ripples actually feel and evolve so you know whether you like them. And you have to probably, yes, pretty surely have to adjust any thinking solution you had before because it is a doing problem, right? All right, my friend, if today's episode resonated with you, if you found value in it, please leave me a review. This truly makes a difference in getting found by the right people. And if you feel gracious, please consider this episode worth sharing with your friends or maybe just that one person you feel would profit most from it. And my dear friend, if you want to get into contact with Pippa, you can find her at Pippa Parfait Coaching which the link will be just below this episode in the show notes, or just find her on Instagram, Pippa Parfait. Parfait, like as in the French word, perfect. I mean, how cool is that name already, right? P-A-R-F-A-I-T, Parfait. So as for now, I stay your humble designer friend at a home worth having. I hope to talk to you soon. A bientôt, Nicole.